Hello everyone. Welcome to today's episode of Reddit Readings. Have you ever had a feeling when you just say, fuck it, let's do this, and zone away from the consequences? This episode is about that feeling. Enjoy. Reddit Readings, Episode 46 Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. What was your biggest fuck it, I'm doing this moment? I was a flight nurse at a company who liked firing people. We were transporting a patient from a car accident who became pulseless. Per policy we were meant to go to the closest hospital. Our closest hospital was 9 minutes away, however this hospital was tiny and couldn't care for our patient. 13 minutes away was a trauma hospital. Our patient was dead and statistically speaking, was going to stay that way, but his only hope was the trauma hospital. I told the pilot to go the trauma hospital knowing full well this would be reviewed and I would be fired for violating policy. Fortunately the trauma hospital did a fabulous job and he survived. I was reviewed but not fired. Further details. The policy is closest appropriate facility when the patient had a pulse, that is trauma, neurosurg burns pets, etc. But when you lost the pulse, the belief was any ED is better than a medic and a nurse in the back of the helicopter. I tend to agree with the philosophy behind the policy, doing two-man CPR in the back of helicopter is very difficult and tiring, and we didn't have blood, lab work, etc. I also imagine most areas don't have two vastly different levels of care with just a few minutes difference. The belief is land. Go to the ED have more manpower and more tools. If you get ROSC, get back in the helicopter and keep going. The patient would likely have two bills, but that is another story. Our belief was the patient was epithelemic and needed a cortis and a mass transfusion. Getting emergency release of blood at small hospitals never happens quickly, so the argument would have been we made our decision on time to blood versus time to hospital. We probably would have still been fired, but it was our best chance. Bought a sailboat. Quit a decent paying job that I hated. Sailed from New York to the Caribbean where I hung out for a year then sold the boat back in Florida. And then spent the next 5 months hiking the Appalachian Trail. Went back to work for a year and now I'm currently backpacking through Southeast Asia for the next 6 months. First time I fast roped out of a helicopter. I was just a photographer photographed lots of guys going out the back of aircraft over the years but never jumped or roped myself one day i was shooting some folks during a week-long training exercise and they asked if i wanted to make a go of it no pressure the guy in charge even told me the aircraft could easily just land if i didn't feel comfortable 
but I figured, if somebody else can do it, so could I. So I got a few days of training on the tower, and then it was off for the flight. I was nervous as hell, even though they told me it was probably just going to be a 20 foot drop. As we got closer, we started counting down the minutes. At 2 minutes out, the door was opened up. 30 seconds and we unhooked, and sat on the floor. It was night out, and I couldn't see anything, and I was hyped up with nerves and energy, but I also wanted to show myself that I could do it. Remember, the person behind me aid, if you get hurt on the way down roll to the side as quick as you can, otherwise I'm landing on you, and that'll just suck. And that was it. The person in front of me was out the door, and the crew chief was slapping me on the back. My feet went over the edge, and the only thing I remembered thinking was fuck it. It was pitch black, but I remember thinking it felt like a longer drop than the tower. I hugged the rope close to my chest, and kept my feet kicked out, like they told me. Eventually I saw the bottom, and landed more or less upright and whole. Even managed to get clear in a few seconds, and get video of the next person dropping. Later I found out what was supposed to be a 20 foot top turned into a 50 plus foot drop. In the dark I wouldn't have been able to tell, but I'm still proud as hell of myself for doing it. Deciding to go on a solo backpacking trip when I was 18 years old. I'm a warrior and not very good at handling stressful situations, and at the time I was also super introverted. That trip really helped me realize that I'm capable of a lot more than I think. In the spring of 2017 I was contacted on OkCupid by an Australian woman in her mid-twenties while she was in Argentina. She said she liked my profile and that she would be in Texas in two weeks and wanted to hang out. I agreed and then two weeks later she stood me up. She messaged me that night and apologized and asked if we could try again. I reluctantly agreed. When we got together we hit it off super well. We talked a lot about her travels. She'd been backpacking around South America for 3 months. She told me about how she hadn't really planned the next part of her trip, she just needed to be in San Francisco in 2 weeks to fly home. She wanted to do a road trip from Texas to California, but didn't realize how expensive it would be, and also didn't know if she'd even be allowed, since she didn't have a US license. Earlier that month I had been talking to a friend in San Francisco that wanted me to come visit. I had been saving for a vacation, I own a truck and a mid slash small size travel trailer, campgrounds are cheaper than hotels, and I was already thinking about making that exact road trip, which I had already done once before 4 years prior, when I told her all of that she was interested but very skeptical. She told me she only half believed me, I was skeptical too. A few days on the road with someone can turn into a nightmare if you can't connect and have fun together. For all either of us knew the other was totally crazy. So our second date I brought a couple maps and a plan. This was apparently sexy and impressive. This seemed to reassure her, and we discussed our hypothetical road trip. We planned on where we would camp inside sea, and we decided to do it in 5 days, a pretty leisurely pace. After working out the logistics we were both feeling better about the idea, but still unsure. I stored my travel trailer on a ranch in the hill country, about a 2 hour drive from where I live, so I suggested that we drive out there, stay a night, and drive back as a trial run. If all goes well then we would leave a day later and split the travel expenses. 
The trial run was brilliant, and we were becoming pretty smitten with each other, so we said, fuck it, let's travel across the country with someone I just met. The 5 day trip turned into 8 days. We had so much fun we didn't want to say goodbye. After she flew home we kept in touch almost daily for nearly a year. We still chat on occasion to check in with each other, and I have plans on getting an Australian road trip out of her one day. Asking my now wife if I could call her back the next night after she called looking for a roommate who had moved out. We had talked for a couple of hours that night. She said yes, I called her back the next night. We've been together now 17 years and got married 2 months ago. A few years ago, I was asked by a rather open-minded friend if I could assist her in planning her dream birthday party. I should specify at this juncture that her dream birthday party was essentially an orgy. Being the kind, organized friend that I am, I told her that I'd be happy to help her out and I so spent the better part of two weeks organizing and planning an orgy, which, if you've never planned an orgy, can get complicated in less than traditional ways. The big day arrived, and there I was, clipboard in hand and a fish bowl of condoms in my lap, and the party started. I was raised very conservatively, and my comfort level with sex was, at the time, less than stellar, and I was terrified, not only of what I was about to witness, but also because I didn't want to let my friend down. What if I'd planned a shitty orgy? That's a kind of shame you can't walk away from. It is also important to note that my friend was very specific about her entrance, and at the stroke of 8.30pm, she gloriously descended the stairs in a feathered Hollywood movie star robe, and then dropped it, revealing her full back Tyrannosaurus Rex to 2, and I had my very definitive of well my friend is naked on the stairs, there are 15 dudes and ladies waiting to bang her. And this might be one of the weirdest nights of my entire life, but fuck it. Here I am, and I'm doing it moment. At some point, I looked around over a sea of pasty white middle-aged weirdos, and realized that maybe being a well-rounded adult is deciding that you want to have an orgy for your birthday, and there's nothing really wrong with that, as long as everyone consents. It was, weirdly, one of the most wholesome and affirming nights of my entire life. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Proposed to my wife, was showering and started thinking about how much I love her. Decided, fuck it, I'm marrying this this. Got dressed AMD drove directly to her place to propose. No ring, no fancy speech or atmosphere planned. Thank god she said yes, and 6 years later we are happily married with 2 kids. Early this year, I had built a life with someone for over 4 years, we had a place together, lots of mixed belongings slash accounts, etc. Long history together, and we were engaged, but he treated me like crap, I was always second. So, I got really depressed and confided often to a guy I met at work. He was really sweet, and we had a lot in common. He eventually told me he would back off of being friends because he really wanted to be together and didn't want to feel worse with the situation I was already in. 
This guy was everything I wanted the current to be, and I really admired his honesty and everything. Fuck it. I'm doing it. I'm gonna be happier. Be with this guy. It has been the happiest year of my life. It's so nice to be with someone thoughtful and respectful to you, and I love him more than I knew I could. Trust the gut feeling. Just fucking do it. Called my wife and told her I had a drinking problem. Hard motherfucking phone call to make I tell you what. Of course she already knew, most did, but getting it out there verbally was hard. Real hard. I'd also like to thank Topo Chico Bubbly Water for satisfying my need to drink cold bubbly drinks and need to be holding a beverage urges. Sober and hydrated. One and a half years. Adopting a cat. She's my bestest buddy now. Years ago I was applying to a bunch of copywriting jobs and feeling frustrated because I wasn't hearing back from any of the places I was applying. It was especially frustrating because I was putting in all this time on cover letters and I felt like nobody was even reading them. So I said, fuck it, I'm gonna write one that is more me. I thought it was a dumb idea and never imagined that it would work, but somehow it did. I applied with this cover letter and the subject line, copywriter, will work for beer, to a job that I was underqualified for. It managed to catch the eye of the headhunter for the ad agency and was enough to get me an interview. Shortly after that I was hired and ended up working there for a few years. However, this probably wouldn't work everywhere, but it fit the culture of the agency. Plus the job listing said that I would be working for beer brands as clients and that free beer was a perk of the job. Was going through some domestic violence BS and wasn't allowed to leave the home for months at a time. They tried to joke me to death, yelled at me a lot, etc. I can't remember all of it. My grandmother had died, and I'm pretty sure it was the intent to kill me and get my part of the inheritance. The inheritance money finally came in after about 6 months of this treatment, and while the other person took his half and went on vacation, I took my half and bought a Greyhound ticket and got out of there. Best decision I ever made. Sitting in a terrible apartment, listening to the upstairs neighbor play fetch with his dog in the house, after waking me up at 4.30am. I'd been searching for a new apartment, but all I could see was my next bad rental. And so I ended up browsing Zillow and stumbled upon a townhouse in one of my favorite neighborhoods, in my price range, with all the features I wanted. Stared at it for a week, then said fuck it, I was going to end up buying a house in a few years, might as well just do it now. Things got kind of chaotic for a few months getting funds sorted, and inspections and packing and moving, but I moved in over a year ago and absolutely love the house. Last night, my elderly dog, Bright, has been going downhill for months. We had been hanging on for a while, and truth be told, probably too long. Last night we came home from a quick trip to the grocery store, and she was laying on the ground, barely breathing. She started to seize, and I knew then that it was time. I held her in my arms while the emergency vet put her down. I've never cried so hard in my life. Today, I'm a goddamn dreck. I can't eat or drink. I didn't sleep last night. I've been in a perpetual state of tears since she passed away. I feel like I didn't do right by her. I know it was for the best, but I've never had to put an animal down before. And she was literally the best dog I've ever known. We had her for almost 10 years. Next month would have been 10. We got her as an adult from a shelter. 
they waived her fee because she was going to be put down if no one adopted her. They were low kill, but she'd been there for 6 months at the time. I loved that dog more than I love 90% of the humans in my life. I consider it a blessing that I got to know her. But Christ, this pain is terrible, and I don't know when it will stop, or if it will stop. And what's worse is the guilt. I tried to write up a RIP obituary type thing in r slash dogs, because I wanted some advice from other people who had gone through it. But the automat deleted it, because I put something other than just her name in the title. I gave up, because I can't rewrite all those memories over. I can barely think her name without bursting into tears. I don't think I'll ever own another dog. This is the end game, and I don't think I can ever go through this again. Had been playing guitar for like 6 months, before leaving for college. I would walk by a music store every day. After half a semester of walking by the store, without thinking about it, or planning for it, I actually went in, and walked out with a Gibson SG, I've been playing ever since. Wasn't sure if a girlies, been chasing for months was giving me signals. She needed to do something in my city, and wanted to stay the night. I said sure, but didn't have more than one bed, so to avoid being creepy I offered to sleep on the couch. She hesitated. I offered to both stay in the bed, and she nodded. Q2 hours of lying nervously on my side trying not to come off as a predator, while trying to make small talk. Eventually I realized we had been cuddling for like an hour, and had progressively been getting friendlier and touchier, and at this point I'm just trying to weigh the possibilities she's just unreasonably friendly versus actually into me, and doing this, while trying to be a conversation partner is slowly melting my dumb brain. I figure, I've been single long enough. I lifted her chin and kissed her, giving her plenty of time to recoil, and pull away or stop me. She didn't. We've only been together for a bit over 6 months, but she makes me happy. My goal is just to make her happy for now. A few days ago I had the opportunity to get Lassik. I just had to call out of work. This upset my boss but fuck it. 4 days later, and I'm already 20. 20. I'm laying on a hospital gurney, my wife was sitting next to me. I'm in the ER of the hospital, where I was listed for a heart transplant, but I'm there, because my bowels were obstructed. I'm wearing my artificial heart batteries and computer strapped to my side, my spare batteries and spare computer controller in the black bag in my wife's lap. I'm very calm, because I know what's wrong with me. I'll be admitted for a couple days, put on a liquid diet and my intestines will get back to normal. However, being on an artificial heart requires that I go into the hospital for everything. Suddenly my main cardiologist pops his head into my ER room. We have a donor, he says. I'm shocked, but elated. What are the chances that I'm there when the call comes in? Then he tells me it's a high-risk donor. He died of a heroin overdose. No needles, he says. My wife looks at me, I think for a minute. My doctor says that he can't push me in any direction, but I have to decide really quickly. The hospital knows nothing else about this guy's life, except that he is 25 years old and died of a heroin overdose. Nothing more. I said fuck it, I'm doing this. It was the 11th of January 14. Within about 6 hours, I had a new heart. No complications. No infections. No problems. I spent 16 days recovering, and I finally leave the hospital. After a couple weeks, I draft my thank you letter to my donor's family. I send it off through the New England Organ Bank via my hospital. 
About two weeks later I get a call from the social worker at my transplant hospital. My donor family wants to meet me. We talk on the phone, exchange email addresses, cry, and best of all, we make plans to meet. And I learn something while talking. My donor didn't die from a drug overdose. He fell and hit his head at work. The hospital that originally treated him thought it was a drug overdose, only because he had shown up by ambulance unconscious in a city crippled by overdoses. It turns out that he didn't tell anyone in his family that he had hit his head at work. He didn't think it was a big deal. He ate dinner and went to bed. In the morning, his grandparents couldn't wake him because he was in a coma from a brain bleed. That hospital screwed up in a major way and reported his death as an overdose to the organ bank. The paperwork later corrected, but long after my transplant. I'm 5 years out now and doing great. I get together with my donor's family all the time. We hang out, do birthdays and holidays. We even get together just to talk about my donor. They are wonderful. Skydiving. The plane they take you up in is such a piece of shit I actually felt safer jumping out of it than landing in it. The way the door shutters as you get to jump altitude didn't help. I want it out. Thank you for listening to Reddit Readings. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and leaving a rating. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Do you enjoy science, spooky stories, and all things paranormal? We do, too. While we would love for most paranormal stories to be true, we are here to tell you that they probably aren't. But that doesn't make them any less fun to speculate about. We are the Spooky Science Sisters podcast. In this podcast, we bring you bi-weekly discussions on possible scientific explanations behind the supernatural. Backed up by research articles and other credible sources, we do deep dives into things like archaeology and physics and share in-depth discussions with topic experts. Visit us at SpookySciencesters.com to listen to a couple of skeptics debunk some of your favorite alien encounters, cryptid sightings, and ghost stories with science, sass, and a significant amount of laughter. Thank you and stay spooky.